you doing this morning? Everybody doing good? So glad you're in church today. You know, I'm so excited about a new year. Anybody excited for the new year? Because the new year presents so many new opportunities. Many of you are, are making, you've already made new resolutions. You've got goals you've set. How many of you have already done that? Some of that goal setting. Good. I've got some hands going up everywhere. That's good stuff. And so here's what I want to do before we start this new series today called Life Overflowing. I want to challenge you with one thing. As you're planning, as you're setting your goals, why don't you make your relationship with Christ and his church a priority? Amen? That is so important because everything else that you are engaged in, involved in in your life has to center around your relationship with Jesus. Amen? So here's what I want to do. I want to kind of start this series today. Uh, I want to ask you a question. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to use this question to spark some ideas for you and a picture for you moving forward. Because this whole series, I want you to think about this, this question. So here's the question. How would you picture a life overflowing? Take a minute to think about that. All right? So here's what I want to do. The goal for this series is for you to align the picture that you have of life overflowing with what God's idea and picture is for your life overflowing. Now, how many have Instagram? All right, we got some. How many have Facebook? All right, so here's what I know you all do, because I do it. You scroll through, and you're looking at people's pictures, don't you? How many do that? What do you always see on Instagram and Facebook? I hear it. Happy people, right? Smiling faces, especially the last couple weeks. A lot of pictures with family, right? A lot of smiling in front of a Christmas tree or, or some setting where it's, everybody's all joyful and happy, maybe around the table where there's a nice turkey and ham and all of that. And so here's the thing. You see a picture of what appears to be life overflowing, don't you? But here's the reality. More than likely, about 10 seconds or maybe at a minute before that, they were probably at each other's throat. Am I right? You know how I know that? That's what happens with my family. So years ago, I remember this, this story where my, family, my brother and I, his family, our family got together, and we were going to do a family picture, my dad, mom and dad. And I remember distinctly that just a few minutes before that picture was made, we had a knockdown drag out. And then what happens? We go in there, makeup's on, we're smiling like the best family ever. So I think sometimes we have a picture of what life overflowing is, and it's a little bit tainted because we see the, just the facade. But here's what I, I can declare to you today, that God wants you to truly live a life that's overflowing. But here's the problem. Our picture of it and his picture of it many times aren't the same. And so what my goal is to help you get these two where they, they match. Because how many of you know, God has a plan for your life. God wants, he does, he made a promise, and let's read it together in John 10, chapter 10. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified, I normally read from the NIV, but I want you to see something, this promise that Jesus made to us about the kind of life he wants us to have. Let's read it together. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy, but watch what he says. I have come that they may have what? Say it loud. What kind of life? And have it in abundance, and then in parentheses, to the full. And till it 
overflows. So here's my question. Does, does God have an overflowing life that he wants to present to you? What's the answer? Absolutely yes. And here's the question. Does he want to deliver on that promise? Absolutely he does. But here's the thing. It may not look exactly like you think it should look. And this is where we, we have to line up with what God's word says about a life overflowing. So this whole month, we're going to be talking about this. And so if you really want to know what the biblical picture of life overflowing is, you don't need to miss any Sunday. Amen? This whole month, let's get here. Amen? So we can understand fully the picture that God has. Then when you post on Instagram and Facebook, maybe before the before picture isn't the knockdown drag out, but it's the hugs and the kisses. How many of you would like to see that? That your life, listen, let me say this. Your marriages can flourish. As bad as it may seem to you right now, you know, maybe your marriage is in trouble. Your marriage can flourish. Your, your relationship with your kids, can, they can walk in obedience. And I get it. We're all going to have hard times. And, and there's, you know, maybe you picture this, oh, this life, it's, it's, there's no problems. It's me and my wife, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips. No. There's a moment where you're going to have those, those times of conflict. But overall, God wants to offer you a life overflowing. But we just have to do it his way. And so I want to also present to you the reality that the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to be the common thread. You'll see it throughout this whole series that he is the one who sets you up or produces in you the, the full life or the overflowing life that you can picture. All right? So here's where we'll start. We'll start with a relationship. And we're going to start with the most important relationship that you need to engage in. And that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the reason. Because you were not created for this world. Y'all realize that, right? No. The Bible talks about God putting eternity in your heart. And so if we go all the way back to the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, here's what we see. We see God creating Adam and Eve in his image. That's good news. And we also see, and kind of from the, what we read inductively from the Bible, that he fellowshiped with Adam and Eve. The Bible says they walked with, you know, with him in the cool of the day. So there was fellowship at the beginning. And the, the bad news is that by Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve had disobeyed God to the point where the, the relationship was broken. And that meant a lot of heartache, a lot of murder, a lot of all the things that we see in our world today are a direct result of Adam and Eve's sin. We call it the fall of man, right? And so the relationship that we wanted with God was missing because of our sin. But aren't you glad today that Jesus came on the scene, and we just celebrated it last month, he came on the scene and, and put on human flesh, and what did he do? He died on the cross and bled so that your relationship with God could be reconciled. I love what, how Paul says it in Romans 5. Let's read this together. Romans 5.10. Here's what he says. For if while we were God's, everybody say enemies, we are reconciled to him, how? Through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? 
so you can see that if you want a life overflowing, the first and most important decision you'll ever make is to being reconciled back to God and having a relationship with Jesus. This is the central focus of your life. This is why we start here, because this relationship is the most important one in your, your idea or your picture. Remember, we have a picture of what life overflowing looks like. It starts with, Lord, I need you. You died on the cross for me. I place my faith in your finished work. You've purchased me with your own blood, and now I'm in right standing. Aren't you glad that you're in right standing with God through the blood of Jesus this morning? I'm so thankful for that. That it isn't my righteousness, it's his on me. Amen. So here's the second thing to consider about this, this idea of life overflowing or the picture that God wants you to have. So here's the second thing. Life overflowing involves you knowing not just knowing, but knowing how valuable, how, how much benefit there is in walking in relationship with Jesus. And so I want to show you this picture of this, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 1. And as we read this, I want you to think about this, because the lens that you're looking through, remember, we ask you the question, what does it look like? What is your picture of life overflowing? And I'm hoping, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit kind of shifts your, your picture to what the Bible says. Now let's read this together. It says, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed. Everybody say blessed. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So already we begin to see the, the benefits of walking in Christ. And it gets better. Watch what he says. For he chose us. Everybody say chose. Do you believe God's chosen you? Chosen you in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world. In other words, this plan of salvation, this plan of reconciliation back to God was not plan B. God didn't, wasn't wringing his hands, oh, they've sinned. No. From the foundation of the world, God already had a plan to reconcile you back to him. Why? Because he loves you. And so we see this here. Before the creation of the world, he's, he's destined you to be holy and blameless in his sight. And then he says, in love, everybody say in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which, we, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in him we have redemption. Now watch this. In him we have redemption through his blood, which we just celebrated, right, in communion. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished. Everybody say lavished. Don't you love that word? Does lavish speak of abundance or overflowing? Of course it does. I love this language that Paul uses. He lavished his grace and his mercy on you with all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. Folks, listen, I don't even have to preach. I just let you read this and already you're being stirred up. Amen? Are you beginning to see a clear picture of what Christ wants you to live, the overflowing life he wants you to live, just by these passages? I know it does me. 
And then he says to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Speaking of the future when he returns, right? In him we were also chosen. Everybody say chosen. We've already seen it twice, haven't we? Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. And then watch verse 13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, now watch this, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So here's the picture. Christ has redeemed you through his blood. And you get a chance to reap the benefits. Man, don't you love those benefits? Can we just talk about them just for a second? Number one, one of the benefits we see here is that you're chosen. Everybody say chosen. As a son or a daughter of God. In other words, you're his kid. Aren't you glad he's, you're his kid today? Through the death of Christ, you're his son or daughter. And I love it because notice what Paul said. It pleased him to redeem you. It pleased him to bring reconciliation, to bring you back into a relationship with Jesus. Aren't you glad for that today? It was his will. Here's the second thing. You are holy and blameless. Now, this may not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to God. And here's the reason. The Bible describes God over and over again as holy, as one who can't even be in the presence of sin, which without Christ would spell doom for me and you. We could not enter the presence of God without the righteousness of Christ, because if we did, Boom, struck down immediately. But the good news is, because of Jesus, because you've been reconciled, now when you look, you stand before God, you stand holy and blameless, as if you'd never sinned. Is that good news today, everybody? So you're reaping the benefits of what Christ did, of a relationship. That's life overflowing. We're a son or a daughter. We're holy and blameless, but it gets even better. You have been purchased by Christ's blood. Now think about that for a second. God thought you valuable enough to leave the splendor of heaven to put on flesh and suffer a cruel death on the cross and shed his blood so you could be reconciled to God. You've been purchased. You have been bought with a price. That's something to celebrate, isn't it? Anybody grateful that you've been bought with the blood of Christ? And then it gets better. Don't you love it? It gets better. You have been lavished with the grace and mercy of God. Now, some of you, maybe if, you, if you're not experienced the, the reality of the weight of this, because in God's mercy, you didn't get what you deserved. What, would, what did you deserve before Christ? The Bible says you were enemies of God. You were dead in your trespasses and your sins. You were on your way to hell. But what happened? Because of his rich mercy, you didn't get what you deserved. Are, are you glad for that today? But it gets better. 
Not only did you not get what you deserved, you get what you didn't deserve, and that is the favor of God. Aren't you glad for favor today? That God looks down on you and smiles and says, hey, I got plans for you. I got great plans for you, Tony. And here's what happened. He, not only did he give you the grace, he lavished it on you. In other words, it's an abundant supply. Aren't you glad for an abundant supply of grace this morning? I'm so grateful. Because I need it every day. Anybody else need it every day? You need the grace of God, the mercy of God. And so he lavishes it on. I'm talking about living a life overflowing. I'm, I'm talking about having the right picture of what life overflowing looks like. Is anybody starting to have a shift in the way you look at it? I'm not done. He has placed his seal on you. Now, you think about that. In the olden days, when kings would reign over kingdoms, they would have a, uh, like a signet ring or something that had their seal of their, their rulership on it. And everything that they put their stamp on, whether it was property or papers or whatever it was, you knew by seeing that seal that it belonged to them. Does that make sense? And so here's what Paul's saying. That God has put his seal on you. In other words, when the enemy comes against you and starts accusing you, because that's what he does before God, right? God says, don't mess with him or her. They're mine. They belong to me. Aren't you glad that you belong to God today? Man, that's beautiful that he has put his seal on you. And you notice what he said. The seal is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Remember, the underlying woven theme of all of this life overflowing is the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And so you begin to see it emerge in the scriptures. Remember, we're looking at a biblical picture of life overflowing. The Holy Spirit is the common denominator in this process. Does that make sense to everybody? And then I love, it continues in Ephesians chapter 3. Now, let me say this. If you want, I, I, would, I would challenge you to go study the book of Ephesians in its fullness. Because when you, when you study it and you read it and you internalize it, man, you'll be so thankful for the life overflowing that God gives you. For what he's been willing to do for you. Now, watch what he says. This is a prayer that Paul prays. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through who? His Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Again, what do we see? The Holy Spirit. His power at work in you, in your inner being. So let me say this. It's an inward work. It's the Holy Spirit in you producing life overflowing. Now, many of you, maybe you've been, you grew up in a church where people always told you that Hey, you got to live up to this, this standard. you got to do it. How did that work? Didn't work very well, did it? Some of you walked in frustration. Maybe some of you even walked away from God because you, don't, you threw up your hands and said, I can't do this. Well, the good news is you don't have to do it. It's the spirit inside you that does the work, all right? Watch what he says. So that you may dwell in your hearts, how? Through faith. Faith is the thing that unlocks this whole deal, right? And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, 
and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the, everybody say fullness, or overflowing. Don't you, just, don't you love these words? Fullness, overflowing, abundant. This is, what God's, this is God's vision for you. The fullness of God. Everything that he has for you laid out before you. And to know this love. All right, so go to verse 20. And this is, this is kind of the theme. I want to, through the whole month, watch this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, there's, again, abundance, right? Then all we can ask or even imagine according to the power that works where? Inside of us. Who is the power working inside of you? The Holy Spirit. You're getting this. That's good. He is the common denominator. If you're, if you're looking for a picture of what full life or overflowing life looks like, you're going to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so far, we've said a relationship with Christ is that first step in living a life overflowing. We've said we want to reap the benefits of a relationship. So here's the second or the third thing to consider. Well, before, before I do that, I want to read to you a statement. I'm getting ahead of myself. You guys okay if I back up just a second? Because this is really important. I almost missed it. So there's a book that's called The Search for Significance by a guy named Robert McGee. And in that book, this is basically a premise of what he's talking about. And I want us to read this together because, remember, we're talking about the benefits of a life overflowing. Can we read this together? In Christ, we are deeply, we are, we are, we are, and, do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Here's my challenge. Put it on the mirror of your bathroom. Put it in your car. Put it, <laughs> excuse me, in your, on your refrigerator. Why? Because you need to be reminded that you're deeply loved, that you're completely forgiven, that you're fully pleasing, that you're acceptable to God, and you're complete. Listen, because of Jesus, nothing is missing. Remember that. And here's what will happen. As you think on that, your picture of what life overflowing looks like will start to change. It will begin to line up with what God's Word. Because don't you believe that every, every part of that is what God's Word says about you? How do you believe that's what God's Word says about you? That's where we got it from. And so, remember, keep it at the forefront of your mind. So here's number three. Recognize, folks, as we've seen, this underlying consistency of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we need to understand that we can have an overflowing relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because here's, here's the truth. When Jesus decided to ascend back to heaven, he told his disciples, he said, you're going to be glad that I went away because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And I love this. He's no longer just, he's not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you. And when he's in you, guess what you get? 
Life overflowing. Is that good? So here's, here's, the, here's the charge for you in Ephesians 5. Watch what Paul says again. Ephesians, a great book. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, what does he say? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, why does he make that contrast? Because if you're under the influence of, of wine, you're not, you're not in control, are you? Who's in control? And I've heard some of you say that. It's the alcohol talking. Well, that means that you're under control of the alcohol. What if we said, I'm going to lay that aside, and I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then who's in control? He's in control. And if he's in control, guess what? Life overflowing. Are y'all with me? You still with me? Anybody asleep? Okay. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You notice it's an opportunity that he's given you. An invitation to receive the love of God. It's an invitation to walk in step in fellowship and relationship with the Holy Spirit. You've heard some people say, well, I just don't know if I believe in a triune God, a Trinitarian God. It's right there. All three. And aren't you glad you can have a relationship with the triune God? Amen. Come on, somebody. He loves you. He went to the cross for you. And he's filled you with his spirit. And you can have a life overflowing. So what's the key to a life overflowing? A relationship with the Holy Spirit. The thing I, I love about Ephesians 5, it says, be filled. It's, it's not a one, one and done thing, is it? No, you're consistently being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's ongoing. That's the truth. But if you're going to live in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if you're going to live this life that's overflowing, if you're going to have the correct picture this is the hardest part for us as individuals. What's the key? The key to your life overflowing is not you taking control of your life. It's actually giving up control. Does anybody else find that hard to do? Especially in our world where we've been taught we got to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. I'm a self-made man. Now listen, I'm not saying don't take responsibility for your life. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying being lazy and go around saying, okay, the Holy Spirit's No, no, you have a responsibility. But ultimately, who's supposed to be in control of your life? The Holy Spirit. And so some of you are like this. I can see it right now. Already you're like, there's no way I'm giving up control. But what if, just what if, can you humor me for a second? What if, instead of a clenched fist, you said, Holy Spirit, I give you control. It, it, here's what it boils down to. It boils down to trust. Right? It boils down 
to can I trust that God has my, the greatest intentions for me? Do you believe he does? The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. It comes from God. Everything that you have, everything that you own is, is from the goodness of God. We sang about it this morning. So we can check that box. He has my best interest in mind. Here's the second thing. Can I trust that God does know best? Can you? Think about this. The God who wants to rule your life or be in control of your life is the same God who with just his breath spoke the world and everything you see into existence. How many of you would be able to do that? The same God who wants to have control of your life is the same God who had this marvelous plan of redemption from the foundation of the world. So I'll ask it again. Can you give him control? Can you trust him enough that as Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for good? If so, it's from this, I'm holding on, it's mine to this. Holy Spirit, would you, would you take my life? Would you control it? And I love, it, I love this because here's the picture. If I willingly open my hands and surrender and control, Galatians 5 gives me a, a great outcome of what happens. Let's read it together. It says, so I say, walk how? By the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So here's the contrast. If I'm holding on, more than likely it's my flesh that wants to rule, right? But no, notice what the Bible says. If I'm in control, the desires of the flesh are contrary to what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit is contrary to what the flesh wants. They're in conflict. So that you are not to do whatever you want. Now watch this. But if you are led by the Spirit, in other words, you've... Open your hands. You're not under the law. So remember what I said a few minutes ago. Many of you were taught outward stuff. Don't do this. Don't do that. you got to look a certain way. The problem is with that, that kind of thinking is it never dealt with the things of the heart. And so I know, I know the kind of the picture that you guys have seen. I know I saw it too. The picture of the Christian with a scowl on their face. Anybody know anybody like that? They were just mad all the time. Ooh, I'm mad. But I love Jesus. You've encountered those people, hadn't you? The problem is they've been trying to do it on their own. When it's the inward work of the Holy Spirit, that's why we, don't, that's why we push back on it so much. Because... I know how I would say, I don't want that. How many of people would say, I want that? I want a scowl on my face all the time like I've been sucking on lemons for six weeks and I'm never happy or, or have any joy. How many of you would want that? I don't want that. 
No, because what, what did Jesus promise? I've come to give you life overflowing. And the truth is, when I try to do it myself, when I try to hold on, what I get is the scowl and the frowns and the frustration. But if I'll surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, here's what I'm going to get. Verse 22. Watch this. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Say it loud. And joy. And, 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 and. And, and, now you choose. Or, mm, life is good. I'll let you choose that. Y'all with me? The picture of life overflowing is clearly seen not through the lens of what you see, but through the lens of what God sees. Does that make sense? Through the Word of God, through His Word. This is His Word. And if you want a life overflowing, here's the truth. He won't force you to do it. You could leave this room today after hearing everything that I've said, continue to say I'm in control. And you could keep living your life that way. Or I'll give you control. This is how impactful this can be if you have a paradigm shift of a picture of what life overflowing looks like that aligns with God's picture. And then what happened is the next time you post on Instagram, the smiles are genuine. Right? The marriage can flourish. Your life can flourish. The key is surrender. You notice he said, um, well, let's, let, I think we, we had some verses we want to read. Let's keep reading those verses. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And I want you to see this. Since we live by the Spirit, what does it say? Let us keep in step. In other words, it's a, it's a continuous daily thing of surrender. I like to think of it this way. If I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is leading me to a life overflowing, can you picture it that he's out front of me, right? And he's leading the way. And I'm walking in step. And so where he steps... I step. Where he steps, I step. And what I'm doing is I'm trusting him that the path I'm on is leading me toward the life overflowing that he's promised. So it's a lifestyle. So it's not, okay, today I surrender to the Holy Spirit and it's one and done. No, tomorrow when you wake up, 
How many of you love Mondays? Tomorrow when you wake up and you don't feel like it, and then halfway in, the boss rakes you over the coals because you didn't meet that quota or that goal last week. And you're tempted to say, I got this. What do you do? Nope. I made a decision. Life overflowing. Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom. I need to know how to respond to this boss with self-control, right? Not getting the, the pink slip after my conversation, but actually maybe getting the promotion. Y'all with me? So what's, what's your response today to this message? We're in remember, we're in step with the Holy Spirit. Remember, start living life overflowing. How? If you've never done that, place your faith in Christ. The most important relationship decision you'll ever make. Number two, embrace and experience and reap the benefits to the life overflowing that the relationship with Christ offers you, right? It's not just, listen, it's not just fire insurance, is it? It's a beautiful life. Number three, recognize that the Holy Spirit plays a huge role in your empowering you to live this life overflowing. That's the common denominator. That's the, the, the theme, the woven theme through this, this message series is he's the Holy, it's the Holy Spirit. And number four, to live a life overflowing, give up control. Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.